Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello and welcome to the Didi and Lital show. I'm Lital. Hi, Didi. Hey, Lital. It's a Friday. We're recording it the Friday after Thanksgiving. Black Friday. Yes. And it was an anxious day. It was, it's the day of the first exchange of 50 Israeli hostages with Palestinian prisoners. And we were anxiously waiting to see the first 13 hostages being released. And I'm very happy that uh, we've seen them, all of them walking and probably in reasonably good shape and looking forward to this tough three more days of hostages exchange. So by the time, well, we'll try to publish this as soon as possible to still have it relevant. And we're thankful. There's a lot to be thankful for in quite terrible times. So maybe we start with what we're thankful for, and maybe then we can talk about what we wanted to discuss this episode. What are you thankful for, Didi? I'm thankful for, when I was seeing the line in Rantham, that I am free of Black Friday standing in line, that we gave up on anything that is not online shopping. I'm very grateful for that. I thought you still like going to the store. Like every time my Instacart stuff, you're like, why don't you go and actually buy things at the Wegman and choose? No, 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 no. You like choosing the beef and stuff. Food is different than shoes. Standing in line outside Nike, there, there was a line in Rantham. Uh, I was watching the 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 25 news because I prefer the local news. When you get like real insanity because you get to see kelly sullivan standing outside of rentham and then they're talking about releasing of hostages so you get like a like sanity plus insanity all in the same time so i'm very grateful that i'm not standing in line in rentham are you buying anything online of course i did i bought two pairs of lululemon pants and i bought sakani running shoes already yes i bought both the waterproof wintering ready ones because i I thought i was i love them they're awesome I thought I'm going to lose a toad this morning when I was running. The run shield one? Yes. The oh, good. They're very good. Okay. So I'm very thankful for me being financially stable enough to buy these things without thinking about this th- too much. Also, I'm very grateful for meeting up with Matt. Hopefully Matt hears this on the ride back from Jersey sometime today. And, and I'm very grateful for Ort. Ort has really helped us. It's the reason that we're here. I don't think, I don't think without starting a startup I would be a podcaster and i'm really enjoying the being the podcaster well Dawn wanted you to get an upgrade yes can talk about that yes, yes. what did Dawn propose this week yes so as toucher and rich on the morning show they're looking for somebody to replace rich that's sports radio that's sports radio well everybody that listens here knows who's felger and mazar and i don't think people know it but they, they just follow us yes uh, okay then they'll probably google toucher and rich and maybe we should have that. Maybe it should be Didi and Toucher, mainly because of the fact that it's, uh, we'll get to complain about Newton High Schools because Milo goes to school with Ron. So maybe we should do that. Well, we'll send him a recording of an episode yeah. as your test. Sp- sport commentating. Yeah. yeah. You become a, maybe officially a sport commentator. Yes. I'm thankful for... The weather that is still pretty great and had me 
enjoy my running in the morning. I ran 10K yesterday. I ran 10K today. Yesterday, I even wore a tank top. So global warming, I, I, I don't, I cannot say that it's a good thing for the human beings, but I think locally, I really enjoy it. That's somebody else's problem. Like I always say, that's a future DD problem. Exactly. So for now, we, we are thankful for the great weather outside that we can enjoy. And, and we're thankful for good news coming after a lot, a long time with really depressing news. So, and we're thankful for everyone What, serving did, in the uh, IDF. I am thankful for everyone. When you say serving. good news, did Harvard finally fire Claudine Gay? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that, not, not really good news yet. Well, uh, in, the, in the insanity of what's going on in U.S. campuses, there are no good Listen, news the at fact the moment. Listen, the fact that if you look through all the Ivy League presidencies, you'll see that most of them are people that you wouldn't think are worthy of being that. So mm -hmm. just, just Google their resumes and you say, huh, really? Yeah, I think there is a lot of politics that went into education, and it leads to the topic we wanted to discuss today. Yes. So even before the whole craziness in Ivy Leagues, universities in the U.S., how politics mixed up, there was an episode about, I think, sometimes in early September on the Daily Podcast that we really like, the New York Times, talking about how higher education in the U.S. is shifting. The, the mindset of people towards higher education is shifting in the fact that less and less of people are willing to go to universities and colleges. Less people are supportive of spending the money. Less people see the return on investment. And we thought we want to share our experience of did our higher education helped us What was actually helpful? What was not? And what do we think in general about higher education versus trade schools versus military versus gap years versus on-the-job training? And that's complex. And that's for everyone. And it's an N equals two. Yep. So like always, take it with a grain of salt. But we want to know about what you think. So of salt. I, people that listen to this podcast already know that I'm right. So uh, it, it doesn't matter. So yeah, that's uh, why they call you Mr. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so maybe let's start with like our own bio. If people don't know what like was our educational background. So you can start quickly. I think we I, I talked in previous podcasts, I, yes, but, but I, I don't do maybe that. somebody just starts now. So no, I don't do quickly, but uh, especially <laughs> considering that my education it wasn't very quick. So brief history of me. So I am a product of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, for those that don't know that. In 91, I got accepted to medical school for something that's equivalent in the U.S. to the Atudakademite. Uh, for those that speak Hebrew. It's basically you go first to do your college degree and, yeah. and post-college degree, and then you join the military and as a professional. Yes, I was supposed to do that. But then for those of you that don't know Israeli history, about a million Russians with 10,000 doctors, I, went to go, went to, went to, I wanted to go to medical school. So It was in the 90s. There was a big Russian wave, wave of Russian immigration, and, a and whole bunch many of them, of them were came, doctors. either came with already adopted were, degree or 
They were, were in the of, middle of no, studies. No, no. Most of them, there were a lot of Russian doctors and a lot of them and Soviet doctors and a lot of them landed in the IDF. So uh, the, the IDF, IDF didn't need additional they doctors. They basically gave a whole bunch of us choices if you want to continue the program and go serve in the military unit and uh, like a front line or uh, quit the program and try in another thing. And that's how I ended up <laughs> being in a computer unit. So uh, did you do the pre-IDF no. course to no. go to that? No. What did uh, you do? What uh, kind of training? I did a training to be a computer operator. I, I was very fortunate with the turmoils of the IDF because my program was not the the program that some of my, my other listeners went. It needed a lot more service. I did the... the so your equivalent people serving in a similar uh, role like yours went through... Six to eight months of yes. pre-service training, yep. learning basically the equivalent of oh, it's a, it's a basically a, a, a comp-sci degree. It's an equivalent of a comp-sci degree. And if you look at all the courses I took during my service, I took a lot more training than a comp-sci degree. So I served for about five years in a computer unit. Some of my best friends are from there, the people that really impacted how I evolved. And it also threw me into command structure. And then I left because I wanted to continue with medical school. So I got discharged of the arm, from the Army at 97. And I then I re-enlisted after the, the dot-com era blew up and re-enlisted. So I spent more or less 12 years, give or take, in some form of military service because the MD-PhD didn't pay itself. And also I took I went to the MD-PhD program. It started with a DMD switched to MD-PhD program. I did finish my PhD. Uh, in terms of Israeli education, I didn't finish my MD because you need to do that. Uh, Practical work in hospital, you rotation. Need to do, no, no, no. You need to do what uh, is like the post-education. It's like, it's like interning, uh, something along these lines. Uh, and you need to do that to get your license. I didn't do that. I just did the, the rounds. And also, if you remember, we had the twins. And at some point, I had enough of the army, I had enough of education, and I said, enough's enough. And paused all that there and started working at RSA. So if you look at my education, I had both, both practical education through the military, which also gave me command training, which I'm very grateful for. This is a good thing for Thanksgiving. So I'm very grateful for that. And I had a whole bunch of academic education. My, my PhD is in epidemiology, which is... A lot of math and a lot of understanding. I was explaining this to somebody I, I was talking to for my Cisco role because she also comes from a biology background. And I said that healthy and sick is very much like fraud and true. And a lot of the models that I used to build for detection are very good for the detection in fraud detection in account takeover even today. So there was a lot of th stuff I've learned in my education that is very useful. So you did a PhD in epidemiology yes. that turned out into a cybersecurity career because at the end of the day, both are basically similar. Yes. Although my... Mathematical modeling of threats, either disease or... People. People. And cyber attacks. Yes. So when I look at all that stuff, um, I'm trying to understand which of these things I could have done without and which of these things was really, really useful for me. What's the contribution of so, each element? So I would say that if you need to pick one, military service is it. I'll, I'll 
try to Google and, and paste it on, on our comment section as usual. There's a part in Starship Troopers where there's the, the guy that helps with the enlistment and there's a guy with no arms and no legs and he says, the mobile infantry turned me into what I am today. Jokes aside, the army has made me what I am today. I, I'm very, very grateful for the service, both the first one and the second one. Understanding command, I think, is probably the most important thing. Even if you choose not to be a commander, choosing and understanding command is probably one of the most valuable things you can do because um, you're thrusted with people that you have not picked, which is very different than any other career path. Usually you interview people. It kind of makes you ready to take over an organization that you have not hired anybody there. You learn how to deal with a lot of variables, with a lot of controls, with a lot of things that you have no control over. And you always deal with craziness. And your boss changes every 12 to 18 months. And you need to learn how to adapt. So military service... A lot of education, a lot of value, a lot of craziness, <laughs> huge budgets. So I value my, my military career a lot more than I value my, my, my MD-PhD. It's like the military background builds who you are. Yep. And the education helps with some additional knowledge, with things that are useful not necessarily you're going to use. So maybe I'll tell a little bit about my own background. Also, like all Israelis, since uh, military is mandatory in Israel. So I was listed into the 8200 unit. I went through pre-military course. That was really unique experience. So you come from your being in your neighborhood, being at home to a complete different setup, which I think is equivalent probably to the setup of going to college, right? You're going to a place, you meet with a lot of different people. In my case, it was an elite cybersecurity unit. People were bright. People, most of them were brighter than me. And it was the maybe the first time in my life that I was like surrounded by really, really smart people and it was a humbling experience. Like I used to be the, the number one student in my school and like I felt always the smartest. Um, it was the first time and it was humbling and it taught me also a lot. It was the first time that I was challenged. Seriously, like throughout my years in school and in high school, I was never challenged. It was also easy. So that was one thing that was really good for me. Then I, I was in actual duty and similar to what you were talking about, like you go through the ranks, you just, you start as a, a regular soldier doing your day job or night shifts or weekend shifts, and then you become the shift leader and you have to decide in real time about things that top secret stuff, you really get exposed to things and like you get to appreciate the job that you are doing. I think doing the military work early on made me really appreciative for life, for the job I have. You have a mission. You need to deliver something. You need to do something. You wake up in the morning and you're going 
for an outcome. And if you are in intelligence, they, they call it the, the important outcome, tziach, um, for those of you that speak Hebrew and, and know this. It's written on the wall. What are the important outcomes we're trying to achieve short-term, longer-term? You're supposed to be really focused in those things, finding intel and information about those specific outcomes that you're trying to know. And it makes you really object, objective-oriented. Kind of focused. 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 And that's something you learn. And, and that's something that stayed with me. After my military service, I started uh, studying biology. I was doing my bachelor degree in Tel Aviv University, followed by a master's in biotech at Columbia U. I did some internship in New York in a VC fund during that time, and then came back to Tel Aviv. Um, it was after 9-11, and started working and worked for Procter & Gamble for almost a decade. And yes, if you, if you make me go back and think what made a real difference, first and foremost, definitely um, military experience more than anything. When I go to my studies, and that's something that can okay, bring now, us to... Can we make fun of the Ivy League a little bit? Yeah, so we, we can talk about that, uh, for sure. So I, I have a, com I have a comparison to make. Yeah. So we've been talking lately about what's the value of going into an Ivy League, especially because we see nowadays what is going on in the campuses and how political they become. And like, there is this big question of like, are you really getting an education over there or is it more about the politics of the, the place? And like, what is the value of somebody going and having a $250,000 studies at MIT, taking a huge loan for life. And then in the middle of math class, somebody comes and yells, free Palestine. Is that what the parents were paying for? So uh, Didi asked me, what do you think? What's the value of you going through your Ivy League experience at Columbia? Let me be very frank. And I probably what I'm saying doesn't apply to whomever went through uh, U.S. college because there is huge difference between college in the U.S. and a bachelor degree in university in Israel, which I did. So first, let, let me explain that. When you're going through a university in Israel, you already decide of your major you don't take general 101 courses in liberal arts and history. And so when you are deciding that you are doing a bachelor degree in biology, what you're doing when you are going through a biology bachelor degree, you study STEM, math, physics, chemistry, and then basic biology and all the advanced courses in biology. I was also part of a program that was supposed to take me through a PhD. So I had an accelerated courses, yeah. classes. I took advanced classes, kind of AP classes during my first and second years. And, and I graduated actually in two years instead of three of my bachelor degree. When I came to do my master's degree at Columbia University, I already took very advanced classes in immunology, cell biology, cancer, cell biology, everything, basically, biochemistry. And when I arrived at campus, I realized that most of my colleagues, the ones sitting at class with me, only take, took bio 101, 102, 
maybe one class in cell biology, and that's it. So their knowledge was way behind me. And basically, I repeated most of the classes that was part of it. Yes, there were some unique classes that are probably because of the access that Columbia has to top range faculty members. Like I, I did one amazing pharmacology class and I had one class in pharmacology of um, drugs, recreational and non-recreational drugs that was amazing just because of the professor that was studying uh, but I know of a lot of people and all of students that had similar access in Israel to amazing faculty members, some of them Nobel Prize winners. So in general, the main laureates. value... The, the word is laureates. Laureates. Agree. So bottom line, was it worth it? Yes, because I think I now belong to the alumni club and it's a brand and I... It's nice to carry the brand. Brand. Brand is important. It, 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 it does that, open some doors. You know that my alma mater is better than yours. So if you look Your at alma mater is the same as mine. No, 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 We're no. We're both I, <laughs> Tel Aviv you, University you, alumni. You came out of the Columbia. So Columbia versus Tel Aviv, which one of them has more founders of... Tel Aviv the, University by far. By far. By far. It's number six in on the list, only behind Stanford and Berkeley and all the ones that and MIT of course that that generate, but it's it is a very good school for if you want to found a startup. Um, Tel Aviv and then Technion. No 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 Technion and Technion Columbia are way, way behind because uh, all not of, that behind. Technion is in the top ten, I believe. But to the point that it probably helped me get it. The first interview at PNG. Probably people looking at my LinkedIn saying, Ooh, yeah, she's Columbia alumni. Maybe there is like this allure to it. But at the end of the day, did it help my education? Was it worth it? I think what was really worth it is the fact that I lived by myself in New York City. I had to teach uh, a spin class at the local equinox while like doing my own things, doing my gig. It's the experience of living abroad by myself that was way more important to me and my kind of independent adulthood and my career path more than the actual education that I got there. So that's the reality. Now, we can go from here to what do we think we recommend and what would we recommend our kids that yep. are now the high school sophomores, our twins are high school sophomores. Soon they will become juniors and start thinking about it. And from all our experiences, what do we think is the right path? Education, trade schools, like studying. Military was very much like a trade school. So, Even uh, though you even, I, I would say med school is a trade school. Med school is also a trade school. So if I'm going first, uh, so this is a very hard question to ask, and I'll tell you why. When we, you and I had this conversation, I, I, wanted, I wanted to come in here and bash med school. Because <laughs> you changed your mind on uh, the way. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> first, because I hated the patients. I hated the colleagues. I think the, college, the colleagues I actually hated more than the, 
the patients, a lot of academia, I discovered that academia, Jonathan Swift in Travels of Gulliver makes fun of academia about the uselessness of basically trying to understand the, the testicle size of a drosophila. And that's a fruit fly. So you need to understand that in academia, there's a whole bunch of people who built their lives investigating nothing, nothing of value. And they think of this as like the center of the universe. So, I, and a lot of this is the politics of getting grants, which makes you like political and disgusting. So, there's a Let lot. Let me argue ah, something against that. Can, can you stop? Can you stop? <laughs> okay, you go on. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll argue later. So, from I, I came in with a lot of uh, bad feelings about academia and about my education. But when I was looking at it uh, and looking at some of the people that I, I've maintained contact with, so I'm still friends with uh, somebody that uh, went to Mayo and now is back heading epidemiology in Tel Aviv. And he's super smart and super capable. And, and he really inspired me at some point in my career because he was like the TA when I was taking the classes. And I really, really, really value him. And same was the head of epidemiology for Wolfson, Mona. She was also amazing. It was like inspiring seeing somebody that was both a full-time parent and a full-time epidemiologist and created very valuable research. And there were people, and of course, Dove, my mentor. So I was looking at my career, and as you said, understanding some of the math and all that stuff. So I'm, 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 very, I'm very torn because it's very hard for me to take which part of my career Including, by the way, trade school. By the way, if I need to come back with a recommendation for anybody, if you like working with your hands, go to a trade school. Because when I was learning how to fix cars, if I would have stuck with that job, holy shit, how much money I would have made. But fixing cars, fixing houses, doing shit. I, when I look at a world that's driven by AI, <laughs> I, have a, I have a very, very strong feeling that your plumber will make more money than the, your lawyer in the next 20 years because there's less of them and less people that have these skills and most of them and AI will not fix your plumbing and AI will not fix your plumbing so more likely than not that's actually going to be a very valuable skill that's going and becoming more and more rare and I think there's also catharsis in this people that like your dad that enjoy this think of caging them in an office and filling out TPS reports. So thankfully, uh, ChatGPT can fill up the the TPS reports. reports. So uh, uh, my guess is understand who you are. I'm looking at Ron and the art that he's creating. Maybe he should go to art school. Maybe he that, wants to. Maybe he wants will, to do both comp size STEM and arts so together. Maybe, maybe that's more valuable. So I think the first thing you need to understand is why do anything. And by the way, a lot of the the things that were restraining people from taking trade schools in the past, have kind of gone away. A lot of the old traditional, the mob and the unions and things like that has kind of changed over time. Also, right now, trade schools will give you a degree that can help you get a, another job in leadership position. Which So it leads me to my point, that is skills win Whatever skills it is, yeah. soft skills, challenging yourselves, skills at the end of the day, whether it's a trade school that you will learn how to actually do stuff or actually going to a school that will have internship, co-ops opportunities. We love people coming from Northeastern. I had 
a lot of marketing co-ops working for me, and they're great. Northeastern is a great local school here in the Boston area because of the co-op program that they have that is outstanding and much better than any of the Ivy Leagues, I would say. I think if somebody is thinking of a higher education, he needs to think more than what's the courses and curriculum that he's getting, that he or she is getting out of, but actually what are the life experiences? And if the life experience is more about the politics in the, the campus, I don't know, maybe some people like it and it's your problem. But we are here to think about what will help our kids in life and life in 20 years from now will be really different. The ability to do things, to think differently, to challenge themselves, to go be in a different place is what matters. So another thing that I would recommend is any sort of a gap year. So in Israel, most people, when they get out of the military, it's mandatory for three years for men, two years for women. Typically, they don't go straight into school most of Israelis take one year of gap year and travel the world. That's why around the world people think there are millions of us because all of us come to... There uh, are millions of us. ...to Latin America and or to Asia, and there are a lot of Israelis just traveling the world but and then trying to teach Hebrew songs to the local it, natives, yeah. which is a stupid thing that Israeli like doing. But the, the whole Nothing idea... Nothing is funnier than a guy in India in the middle of nowhere... Singing. Have an Aguila. Yes. <laughs> yes. In Nepal. And uh, Himalaya. So th- my point is, it's a way to explore. It's a way to see a world that is different than your day to day. And it is an experience that shapes you. So you don't have to travel the world. You can do a million different things. You can volunteer. You can join the military. You can go to Europe or to another place. When you're 18 and you're out of high school, you don't know much. And I would argue, and this is my Israeli non-American experience, that you're not necessarily ready to go into this machine of college with sororities, fraternities, drinking, football, and all of this. It's a lot of social pressure to do things in a certain way. And I'd rather my kids take a year off, develop their own personality, know who they are and what they want to be and what they like and dislike, and then decide what they want to do with their college and their career. So I would actually encourage parents to consider a gap year for the kids. I think it's very healthy. What else? You know how you get to travel the world on somebody else's dime? Military. Exactly. In the Navy. In the Navy. <laughs> so the, the the only downside of military service is that thing that people shoot at you. So uh, with the with the exception of the downside. So it's co- a big downside. It, it is a downside. But, but you know what? I think some of our listeners will say, well, military is not for me or my kids. Uh, we well, are, we're peaceful. Uh, peace has nothing to do with military. So as... Roosevelt once said, speak softly but carry a big stick. Understanding how to shoot a gun, I think, is a skill that everybody should have. It's not, you can choose if to use it or not, 
But when the zombie apocalypse comes over, <laughs> you do want to well, know how I to shoot I do want to say that head. if you want to shoot a gun, you do it in the military. That's the, the, the responsible thing yes, to do exactly. and, and learn how to do it over there. I would exactly. argue it that way. Th- th- it's a very important skill. Uh, the other thing, so the, the, we keep thinking of our, the chances of our kids. So this is where I, I credit our friend Dima who said that we keep winging it, but we need to actually do some prep work. So I did some prep work. And actually getting killed in the military, even with active engagements, is not much riskier than sending your kids off to college because there's a lot of cases of sexual harassment. There's a lot of cases of assault. There's a lot of cases of drug use. Fentanyl is uh, out there. So... And yeah. most of it is not even documented. And most of it is because not even documented. Because campuses hide the numbers. Because police hides and lies. and, and Nobody wants to know that there so is fentanyl. And the, the military is a lot safer than you think it is versus regular life and, and, and around stupid people. So, and after you serve in the military, you probably are better at skilled at understanding this is a situation I don't want to be in. You really have a very fast grasp saying, you know what? No, nah, that's not a good idea. It, it it builds that skill into you. So, And not everything in the Army gets shot at, although a lot does. But there is the Navy. There is the Air Force. There are other groups. So You can sit in front of your computer all yes, day long. Yes. Yep. So I'm, I'm going back to my original recommendation. You're sending if, your kids to the IDF? Oh, that, that, yes. Well, unless they want to pay for the $250,000. Well, they can also choose to go to the U.S. Army. The Army's nice. They'll choose whatever. We can recommend. At the end of the day, they'll get a But, yeah, anything else to conclude? It's all about experiences. That's what I want to say. I mean, don't pay $250,000 just for the brand. Yes. (laughs) Branding is important, but, you know, what's the price tag? Yes. Also, don't forget that there are cheaper schools. The tier one schools are important for the brand, but I'm seeing the best schools I hired from were Northeastern and New Mass Amherst, a lot better graduates than MIT. So Northeastern is not cheaper than Ivy. Northeastern is cheaper than MIT. Do do your homework. Listen um, to listen to Dima. So with that we can conclude. We're very thankful We're very for thankful. our listeners. We hope uh, this season goes well for everyone. We're about to finish the year and we wish all the hostages to come back home soon. Um, please, if you like our show, uh, listen, share it with your friends. If you want to be on the show, please DM Didi or myself on LinkedIn. The Didi and Lital Show is a weekly podcast. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.